0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. The Lord will help me tonight. I want to minister on this thought. Blessing is a perspective, and I want to. Uh, my heart is so full tonight to share this. I I had debated on maybe maybe carrying this message to um, on Sunday, uh, but I felt like this was this was the time and place on this evening, and. It's just been moving forward. Last time we were together on Wednesday night, we talked about the frequency of praise, and we talked about uh, there is a sound that comes out of you. I heard that sound tonight when I was in the back, praising with you and entering in. I felt, the, I felt the presence of God, and I heard the sound of heaven. And it happens when we come together in like mind. The Bible said that they were all in one mind and in one accord, in one place, in one accord, In the upper room, the Spirit of the Lord came in like a rushing mighty wind, filled all the house. They weren't even standing. The Bible says where they were seated. And the Spirit of the Lord filled the house. And when we come together, we have high expectation for God to do something great in our life. I want to talk to you specifically tonight about perspective and what I sense that God is saying to this house as we journey into 2021. 2021 heading into 2021, there are many thoughts, not just about living life, but also about our future. And we have been through a great discovery in 2020. We've done a lot of inward looking. We've done a lot of retrospect. We've said, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to this country? What are you saying to my church? What are you saying to my family? What are you saying to me? What are you saying to my children? And In this coming year, going into this year, some people are thinking about the things they've gone through and the things that they're going through right now. And not everybody's out of of the woods yet. And many times this past year, we've had upsets and U-turns and detours and navigating through places we've never been and trying to understand all of that. So, we have a lot on our mind, can you say amen? Some people are thinking about their destiny, where God has them going. Some are thinking about God's plan or the bigger picture. We sung about that tonight, that there's a bigger perspective. God's got something bigger for us. We're thinking about those things. And if we can be honest, 2020 has caused us to rethink our lives and to rethink where we've been. We've wrestled with doubt, we've wrestled with fear. And I know that we have, and there are people here, maybe watching, or are here tonight, that you've had to deal with anxiety, and maybe to the point where you uh, have felt like uh, medication was your only hope of getting uh, some sense of, of of peace in your mind. And and so I want to speak to you tonight because we've wrestled with these things, and it's caused us to take inventory on everything and look past face value. I said we've had to learn how to look past face value. And and, and honestly, when you now we have we see so many masks, we, we can't see everybody's face. <laughs> we see their eyes, and they say that eyes tell story. But I, I want you to understand that we've had to look past how things appear. We've had to look past what the media has said what the news channels have said. We've had to look past what social media has said. Uh, We've had to look past what people's opinions have said. It's caused us to take a real hard look and look past face value because everything is not as it seems. It's caused us to ask God big questions. And God don't mind you asking big questions. He doesn't. But I want to pose a question to you tonight, and I want to speak to the doubt. What if the doubt that has stood in the door your whole life, the thing that you have wrestled with your whole life, what if the doubt that has stood in the door your whole life is just an indication of the power of the purpose that's locked inside of you? Can I say that again? What if all that doubt you've experienced in your life is just an indication of the power and purpose that is locked inside of you? What if the thing that has been holding you captive your whole life is just an indication of the potency of the calling that is in you? The thing you've wrestled with your whole life is just an indication of something in you that God is waiting to do. Turn with me to Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, I want to read verses 22 through 26 to lay the foundation. I won't hold you long tonight. But I want to read out of this passage from the author of the book of Acts, Brother Luke. And the Bible says to us in verse 22, The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, everyone say suddenly. There was such a violent earthquake. (laughs) How many of you know that God can shake the foundations of things that have been holding you down in one moment of your life when you come into his presence. And the Bible goes on and says that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Say this with me, blessing is a perspective. Father, I pray for the the anointing of the Holy Ghost to be upon your people. Give me an ear to hear and a heart to receive that I walk out of this place or I leave this session, this time of gathering of the saints, of purposeful worship, discipleship, fellowship, outreach, and service, and I leave change by the power of God, put my feet into action, and the church will say amen. amen. I want you to see in this particular passage, don't miss this amazing thing that God did in this passage. What if that happened today in the presence of God? What if chains fell off of your life in areas that have been bound in your life for years? Chains just simply fell off. What if the things that held you hostage, maybe even for decades, fell to the ground in the presence of God tonight? Wouldn't that be amazing if the things that you had struggled with, the fear, the doubt, the hurt, the wounds, all of the junk, that all of a sudden it fell down at the feet of Jesus, in his presence, and you felt great liberty and great peace, what if instead of asking God, you know, if you can get another blessing from him, instead of saying, God, would you give me another blessing, how about if we ask God to bless our perspective, bless the way we see our life, bless the way we see everything. Listen, I think we spent too much time trying to get God to see things from our perspective when all he's really ever wanted to show us are the things from his perspective, how he sits high and looks low and how he has an all-seeing eye and is ever omnipresent he's everywhere at the same time and he knows exactly what's going on and one of the most powerful things that you can do that I can do is when we just ask God to help us see things the way that he sees them how do you see them when you get down to it really all you have control over a complete control over is your perspective I can control everything else but I can't control how I think I can control how I view things I can control my perspective you listen You can solve one problem in your life, and as soon as you solve one problem, another problem comes and takes that problem's place. So you're never really in complete control of your problems. You can't control what's coming to you. You can't control what's being hurled at you. You can't control of the things that happen to you. But I do believe over time and with practice, you can get masterful in your perspective, in the way that you view something, in the way that you see something. And this may be worth writing down tonight. Your perspective is a product of your relationships. In other words, it's not just your relationship. You could even you could even change that word relationship and say that my perspective, <coughs> excuse me, is a product of my connections. In other words, the people that I'm connected to, the relationships that I have in my life. My perspective is a product of my relationships. How you think today probably has a lot to do with the people you're related to. Good or bad. How you think today is probably the product of the environment and the culture you came up in. Your perspective is a product of your relationship. Hold on now. The perspective that you have right now about your life, the perspective you have about your wife, about your husband about your job, the perspective you have about your abilities. That perspective is a product of the relationships you have made in the way you think about something. Can I tell you that maturity is the process of learning how to make better connections. Maturity is the process of making better relationships. Maturity is the process of, of finding friends that are healthy that can help you, amen, that can get you to your destiny. Maturity is a process of learning how to make better decisions and connections. When a child gets in trouble, often a child will say things like, it's not fair, it's not fair. But an adult learns to make better decisions because of their past decisions. When they've had past decisions that did not yield good consequences, they learn I better make a better decision The next time I have to make a big decision concerning relationship, concerning purchases, concerning anything that involves my family or my future, I need to learn how to make better decisions or I'm going to keep repeating my past, come on now, and I'm going to have bad consequences in my life. And we understand that maturity is a result of better decisions. When you are growing, you end up making better decisions. Talk to me, church. When you end up maturing in the Lord, you're going to make better decisions in faith. Better thinking is simply better connections. And the more you learn to pay attention to the connections, the more you can live with a correct perspective. And that's important because your perspective will either become your prison or your passport. Do you hear me? Your perspective will either become the thing that confines you or the thing that releases you. You release into the things that God wants you to operate in that he has designed for your life. So checking your perspective is a daily habit. How do I think? More important, it's more important than brushing your teeth. It's more important than fixing your hair. It's more important than toning your abs. Checking your mind, your perspective is important every day. Tell your neighbor, check your perspective. When you come to church, one of the best things about that decision of coming to church is that you are making an investment in your perspective. We invest all kinds of money and all kinds of time in all the facets of our life. But when's the last time you made an investment in your perspective? Hmm. When you come to church and we say, you know, that was life changing. Or we say, "Woo, I read something that changed my life. What we're really meaning is my perspective has been altered. I see things in a different way. And one of the greatest gifts that people can give you who are different than you is the wisdom of their perspective. It's a real gift when somebody doesn't always agree with you because they just opened a door or opened a window for you to see life through their lens, thereby granting you wisdom that you might not have had otherwise been able to access. That's the power of perspective. And some of you today may be locked in ways of living that are the result of incorrect perspectives. And the word of God, has the ability to gut your perspective, to change the way you think, to change the way you view life. Can I tell you, the Word of God can deal with past memories that haunt you, can deal with future fears that maybe are intimidating you can deal with personal insecurities that damage you and cripple you and bring you into a proper perspective of all that God says that you are and all that he says you can do and all that he says that he is and all that he says that you have because you are in connection to him the word of God can change your past, your present and your future and change the way that you see all of that When you realize that you are connected to God, it changes your perspective because your perspective is the product of your relationship and your connection. So if I'm connected to the all-sufficient God, if I'm connected to Jehovah Jireh, then I don't see lack. I see all my needs abundantly supplied by the glorious riches of Jesus Christ because I'm in connection with him. It changes my perspective when I understand my connection. That's why when I lift my hands to worship, I feel strength coming to every weak area in my life, hallelujah. My life didn't change, but my perspective did. My situation might not have changed, but my perspective did. Some of you had to drive through all kinds of mess just to get here tonight, or to watch this service online. And maybe you've worshiped, maybe things didn't change instantly, but your perspective will change when the God begins to shower his blessings upon your life. When you lift your hands in worship strength, begins to come unto you and God begins to fill you with his joy and everything around you changes by perspective. If I can get my perspective right, my life will line up over time. So I'm coming to realize that being blessed is not a state of affairs. Being blessed is a state of mind. Being blessed is not the level of my bank account. Being blessed is not a condition or a circumstantial reality as much as it is a way of thinking and perspective. Blessing is a perspective. So I wanna ask you a question tonight. You might have a blessed body or a blessed marriage or a blessed family or a blessed career, but do you have a blessed perspective? And when's the last time you came into the presence of God and said, God, I just want you to touch my mind. God, I just want you to bless my perspective. I'm not even gonna ask you for this and that or to bless Billy and Susie. I just want you to bless my perspective. I see how you're already working in areas of my life in all of that, but God, tonight, I just want you to bless my perspective. I want you to bless the way that I think. And in our text in Acts chapter 16, it is a powerful passage of perspective. The kind of perspective, in my opinion, that'll cause you to make it through every night of dark trial in your life. And the Bible says that Paul and Silas were out preaching on a missionary journey in the city of Philippi. Go to Acts 16, verse 22. While they're preaching, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. I want you to notice the word against. Everyone say against. Against. The crowd joined in the attack against. Against who? Paul and Silas. Most of us in this room and those watching tonight probably won't be attacked by a mob because of our faith in Jesus Christ, maybe not at least in this country. But to illustrate the principle, I want you to understand that when there is an advance, there is always a counterattack. Anytime you are making an advancement in your life, an advancement in the kingdom, there is always a counterattack. When there is an advancement in your life or even the desire to advance, there will always be an attack. Always, always, always. And did I fail to say always. Anytime you are advancing in the kingdom of God, there will always be a counterattack. Do you know that the enemy, he does not attack apathetic people. He doesn't have to. They are already sabotaging their own selves. They're already sitting on their own destiny. He doesn't have to get you to forfeit it by becoming discouraged because you're not doing anything with the gifts you have anyway. The devil does not attack people who are not advancing the kingdom of God. He's okay with them going to church when they want to. He's okay for them to do whatever they want to do and call themselves this or call themselves that. He's not one bit concerned, irritated, or worried over anybody who is apathetic, who has become very dull and desensitized to the things of God. He'll just smile at you and even pat you on the back, but the moment that you make up your mind, I'm going to advance the kingdom of God, that 2021 is going to be a year of advancement and restoration and forward movement. I'm telling you, you might as well go ahead and get ready for the attack. And immature Christians will get upset every time they're attacked for any reason, any little old thing will cause them to want to give up but the sign of an attack is the indication of advancement in my life. Where my mature saints at? They will say, I know that I've been through something because I'm being fought every time I turn around, but I'm not giving up. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm gonna wage a heavy war in the mighty name of Jesus. Give him praise. The sign that I am in an attack is the sign of advancement in my life. So stop being surprised every time it gets a little hard. Quit throwing in the towel and asking folks to pray for you with a sad emoji. Hold your head up high, wash your face and declare I am a child of God. There's royal blood flowing through me. I should have been dead, but I'm yet alive. I should have been killed when I was a child. I should have been taken out with all the hell I've been through. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm not one bit discouraged about what I've been through. Put somebody on the shoulder and tell them the devil should have killed me a long time ago. Stop being shocked just because everything don't go your way. Concerning this fiery trial that is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. So I was studying about this whole scene in Acts 16. And honestly, if you read this all and you read it deep, this is a riot. This is a riot. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. You want to go deeper? It wasn't just a riot. It was a racial riot. I'm going to prove it to you. The truth about it is, Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. But they were also Jews. And they were preaching the gospel of Christ in Europe for the first time in a city called Philippi in the Macedonian region. Here these two Roman citizens who are Jewish come into Europe preaching in a city called Philippi, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the reason they ended up in Macedonia and ended up in Philippi exactly is because that's not even where they wanted to go. The Bible tells us that they were actually wanted to go to the province in Asia. That's where they were headed. And the Bible said that the spirit of Jesus would not permit them to go into Asia. And it was because of what they didn't get to do that they the thing that they set out to do that they ended up where they needed to be to accomplish what God had put in them. That's for somebody right there. You been crying about something that didn't happen for you or for somebody who didn't like you or somebody who rejected you, but I come to tell you rejection is nothing more than redirection. Woo! They wanted to go to Asia Minor and God said no you're not going and they ended up Headed to Macedonia region, they ended up in the city of Philippi. And when you begin to see it that way, oh my God, I'm preaching about perspective tonight. When you begin to see it that way, you see that some of the heartbreak that you've had in your life was really God moving you into a position for blessings that He didn't desire to bring you into until you had become into flexible in His mighty hand. God was saying no I don't want you over here I want you over here but God this is where my homies are God this is where I'm comfortable God this is where I I fit and God said yeah you may fit there but my destiny in you is going to cause you some hardship I'm going to cause you to walk through some stuff you'll look back and say God what are you doing but if you'll see it the way that I see it I'll give you a perspective you haven't ever seen I'll take you to a place you didn't ever see yourself going and I'll fulfill my mighty work in your life somebody ought to praise God for every rejection you had in your life it was a redirection God was moving you say it's all about perspective so Paul couldn't get into Asia so he said well let me try Macedonia And he goes into Macedonia and there's a girl following him and Silas around and she's mocking them while they're preaching. And Paul put up for it a little while but eventually he turned to her and he said one word. In the name of Jesus, come out. (laughs) And when this girl who had the ability to predict the future, this spirit, come on, that enabled this girl to predict the future left her and now her masters who had pimped her out could no longer make money off of her and the Bible said that it upset the region. Woo, anytime you start pulling people out of darkness, Anytime you start bringing light to darkness, anytime you start yanking folk up, bringing them out of their mess, you gonna stir some devils up. My God. If you're going to be a church that offers deliverance, expect to fight devils, not just on the outside, but sitting right in our pews. You're going to have to learn how to wage war and shut down every spirit of darkness that will attack you coming in and attack you going out. If you want to be known as a Pentecostal, a tongue-talking, fire-breathing, my God, laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. If you want to be somebody who operates in the power of God I've come to tell you you're going to have some devils stirred up and they're going to attack you every time you turn around but you prayed and asked God to give you that power you don't get it that easy you got to walk through some stuff to come out on the other side tell somebody my blessing is in my perspective it's the way I see things and the Bible said that he said come out of her and when he did, it upset the region. And so, you know what they did? They used their Jewish nationality to incite the crowd to riot and put him in prison. And that's where we pick up, because it says in verse 22 that they were stripped and beaten. And fastened in stocks. Beaten with rods. I want to focus on this for a minute. Let me teach a minute. Stripped. I wonder how many of you have ever felt like you've been stripped of your self-worth. Let me be specific about this. And I want to word this carefully. Stripped of your self-worth is a different kind of stripped. Because when you're stripped of your self-worth, you're stripped of your confidence. You're stripped of your possessions. And some of us know what it's like to have even been stripped of our health. Some of you have been stripped of your own love for others by some abuse that happened to you, that made it really hard for you to give what you never got. And the Bible said that they were stripped and beaten. And when I think about not only being stripped of your self-worth, stripped of your possessions, Stripped in your health. Understanding what that feels like. And then going to another level of being beaten. And maybe you've never been beaten by rods. But maybe you've been beaten by thoughts. Maybe you've been beaten by doubt. Maybe you've been beaten by the words against you in the form of criticism and cynicism. And maybe you've been beaten by habits and addictions. Stripped, beaten, and guarded. And I thought it was interesting as they put guards around them. And here's the question, why did they put so many guards around these Jews? And the answer, in my opinion, is because they were so important to God's purpose that the enemy had to do everything he could do. They were so important to God's purpose. These Roman citizens who were Jews in Europe, in the city of Philippi, a mob attacked them and they incited a riot against them for their nationality. They were so important to the plan of God, my God. The enemy knew I've got to do everything that I can do to stop them. And in this case, he used the Roman magistrate to turn against Paul and Silas. But in your case, you have an enemy who has upset the guards at the door of your life to make sure that your purpose never gets out. That's why the enemies try to keep you depressed and keep you full of anxiety and keep you full of fear and doubt and keep you so down and out that you can never see the light of day and you've lost sleep at night and you've not had your appetite. My God, I feel a prophetic proclamation here. God told me to tell you that weeping only endures for a night, but joy does come in the morning. It is your perspective. You're either looking at life in the night or you're looking at it in the morning. God wants you to know the sun will rise again on you. You will see the power of God shine on your life. Come on church, preach with me tonight because God wants you to know it's how you view things. You've got an enemy who has set guards at the door of your life to lock your purpose in and to keep you bound and never be able to walk in victory. But I come to declare to you you're going to break through. You're going to break off those chains and shake off those heavy things and God it's gonna change your perspective. Oh my my! Can I tell you, I, I'm an overthinker myself. I'm an over-analyzer. I've been an over-analyzer even when I didn't know what an over-analyzer was. And I remember even as a young boy, sensing that God had given me a calling to do what I'm doing right now. And I didn't know what that would look like compared to what my perspective was at that time as a young teenager. My perspective then is different than what my perspective is now based on the culture I was raised in. That's why I have to laugh when people come to Bethel and they say, and they don't like something, they'll say, well, at my old church, and I wanted to say, if your old church was so good, why'd you leave? It's all about your perspective. (laughs) Come on, smile at somebody. I'm just trying to help you understand based on the culture that I was raised in and my over-analyzing melancholic self, I I just knew that God, since since God wanted to do something in my life, but based on my perspective, I didn't see how God could even do that. I, I just had this feeling that God was calling me to do something like this in ministry, and it wasn't even because my dad was in ministry. It was way more, more than that, it was so much deeper than that. But even at a young age, I remember thought processes coming through my mind and perspectives that seemed to contradict my calling. I had thoughts in my mind that that were it, it contradicted what what I was being taught. It, it, it contradicted I'm gonna help somebody here. I had thoughts in my mind. Uh, uh, what is this whole church thing? What what is where? I, I mean, I was asking big questions to God. God and and I needed answers. I would ask questions like, where did God come from? And nobody could answer me. And and nobody could give me a scripture and verse, it seemed, and, and nobody could just say, Well, right here, don't you see it? I had these this perspective that I and I would end up overanalyzing every situation. I had an overactive imagination and I would overlook, overthink things until I wore myself out. Forget about wearing everybody else around me out I even wore my own self out by being too analytical I know I'm preaching to some witnesses tonight I wore my own self out and I believe today that's probably why I have a patience with folks who are overthinkers and over analyzers and people who think are all caught up in every conspiracy on the internet because we all have a little bit of doubt. And for me personally, I thought that my doubt was going to disqualify me from doing what I'm doing today. But what if? the doubt that stood at the door of my life was only an indication of the power and purpose that was locked up in me. All right. yeah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. What if the whole thing that's been holding you captive your whole life is just an indication of the potent purpose God has for you. you, And if it ever got loose, if I ever got free, if it ever got out, it just might change the world. That's why you've been struggling so much. That's why you fight so hard with your temper. That's why you fight so hard in your mind. That's why you'll fight so hard with pessimism. Because there's something that is so great on the inside of you that the enemy has been commanded to guard you carefully to keep you locked down. But I declare unto you where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty and there is freedom. I come to announce the Spirit of the Lord in your house, uh, to announce the Spirit of the Lord on this place, and to declare you who the Son makes free is free indeed. Somebody give God praise tonight. Hey! I'm almost done. But notice this, they were thrown in prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And let me pause here for a minute because the more I study this, I don't have time to unpack all this, but I'm gonna give you something here. Do you know what I don't see or who I don't see in this passage? I don't see Luke and I don't see Timothy. Now hear this, Paul and Silas were joined by two partners in ministry by the name of Luke and, by the, and a man by the name of Timothy. You know them. Timothy was the young protege they picked up along the way to Acts 16, the journey that we just talked about. They picked him up along the way. And Luke was the physician who wrote the book of Acts. But I don't see Luke and I don't see Timothy in this prison. And here's what I begin to understand, Pastor. The reason why is because they were not the leaders. And so when God asks you to use your life as a leader in a significant way. (laughs) Oh, let me put it this way. Maybe this will make some sense to you. If you want the fire, you've got to be able to handle the heat. If you want to be on the front line serving God, if you want to be on the front line raising kids that actually have values, if you want to be on the front line shaking things up at your place of work and shaking things up at your school, the ones who have the most fire will face the most heat. You will come and be opposed in every direction. So it's no surprise to me if people say bad things about me and bad things about this church. Why? Because we're on fire and we can handle the heat. I didn't see Luca. I didn't see Timothy I only see Paul and Silas because they were the leader and every leader that I know that's making a difference is taking some heat that's why they picked Paul and Silas to put in prison you know some people be like I don't know, I don't know why everybody's picking on me pastor It's so hard for me. It's not hard for everybody else. It's so hard for me. I'll tell you why. Because you're not everybody else. God called you. God got something for you more than what everybody else wants because you've got your eyes set on things above. That's why you're facing so much trouble. Quit crying about it. Whining about it. Leader, you asked to be in leadership. Put on your Sunday best and get after it. We're going to Sears, kids. So Luke tells us the story in verse 24. Look at this. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. I'm about done here, but notice that he did one thing right and he did one thing wrong. The magistrates did one thing right and one thing wrong. One thing he did guaranteed that they couldn't get out. But the other thing guaranteed that they wouldn't stay. What he did right is that he put their feet in stocks. So technically, Sister Addison, they can't move. But what he did wrong in the same verse, and you missed it. Maybe you weren't paying attention. Maybe you missed it like I have before. But let's go to review. He put them in the inner cell. The inner cell is singular. He put them in the same cell. He shouldn't have done that. If he wanted Paul and Silas to stay in that place, he should have kept them separated from one another. But he guaranteed when he put them in the same cell that he wasn't gonna hold them, that they were gonna come out of that cell with power and authority. And I come to tell the church, the enemy wants you to fight one-on-one and to stay isolated and removed from everyone. And if you can look back over the times in your life when you were the most discouraged, I can probably guarantee you it was because you allowed allowed yourself to become isolated and you may have had people around you who wanted to help you, but you remain in solitary confinement and wouldn't let nobody help you. I'm telling you, two can put 10,000 to flight. You need somebody in your life in the inner cell. I can make it if somebody will get in the cell with me. I can make it if somebody will pray. We might have to fight our way through hell, but I can make it, baby, if I got somebody with me. Send your feet tonight. My God, my God. I heard about a study of two monkeys. I'm going to explain it to you. And don't send me no emails on animal rights. I don't got time for that. I, I heard this study about two monkeys. They took two monkeys and put them in an experiment to see if they could scare the monkeys. And they did it in two ways. The first time, they put the monkeys in separate cages. And they measured what is called cortisol the stress hormone. And when they put them in two different cages, they begin to flash lights at them and make loud sounds to scare them. And their cortisol levels were off the chart. But then they put them in the cage together and read the same experiment. They made all these lights shine and they made all these same loud noises And the stress level when they were in the cage together was half of what it was when they were apart. And I'm telling you, the devil has tried to keep you bound, to keep you isolated, separated, irritated, agitated. But the fact that you showed up here tonight with other believers, hallelujah, your perspective is changing. You didn't see yourself doing life alone. I'm connected to someone. I'm connected to the body. I'm connected to Jesus Christ. My perspective has changed. Throw your hands up and begin to praise God in this place. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center.